Welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold, and I'm here to get you caught up quickly. I've got some top news stories for you today from Israel, and guess what? You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Thursday, September 14th. 2023 in the Gregorian calendar and the 28th of Elul in the Hebrew calendar. Today's episode is a special one. Tomorrow is Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and Saturday is the one-year commemoration of the brutal torture and killing of Masa Amini, the Kurdish-Persian woman who was reportedly killed by Iranian police officers on September 16th, 2022. Her death sparked a year of revolt in Iran. I have a very special episode for you on that after a couple of news stories, and then I'll leave you off with a Torah thought to get you spiritually prepared for the weekend and the new year. Now, let's get to the news. Wednesday afternoon, so that was yesterday, September 13th, 2023, six Palestinians were killed and 25 were wounded during a riot near the Israeli border in Gaza. The incident occurred when Palestinians tried to detonate an explosive meant to kill Israeli troops near the border on the other side of the security fence. The explosive detonated prematurely. At this time, there was a rally underway by Palestinians who came out to commemorate the 18th anniversary of Israel's withdrawal from the Gaza Strip. Many forget about this. It's already been 18 years, but removing Israeli Jews from Gaza, where they had lived for years, had established families, had farms, was a big deal. And the families who were forcefully removed and pulled out of Gaza by their own Israeli brothers and sisters in the army and police department was a big deal. And people are still angry about it 18 years later. But here the Palestinians are celebrating it in Gaza. The idea of pulling out any and all semblance of Jewish life from this shared parcel of land was because Israel hoped it would bring us one step closer to peace. Today, the Gaza Strip is run by Hamas, a strong-arm terror organization that runs the Strip like a mafia ring, and that's according to anonymous people who have spoken with Israeli journalists about the state of Gaza, and they are often and always sending rockets into Israel. So let's just establish this fact about the 18 years ago. Now, Back to yesterday, the event involved hundreds of rioters, some of whom threw explosives and grenades at the security barrier. The Israeli military responded with riot control measures. The Hamas terror group made a statement about the incident, saying it was mourning the six heroic martyrs who were killed in that blast. I got a personal note from opposition president Gaten McKenzie in South Africa. He texted me yesterday to send me an article about how his party, the Patriotic Alliance, is refusing to allow a street in South Africa to be named Leila Khaled Drive. Now, in the article, he says diplomatically that there are many local heroes more worthy of having a street named after them from South Africa. And though he doesn't say it, 
I have to say that sending this news clipping to the host of the Israel Daily News podcast sure says a lot. Leila Khaled is a woman terrorist belonging to the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. She and her team hacked a TWA flight 840, number 840, on its way from Rome, Italy, to Tel Aviv, Israel, and diverted it to Damascus, Syria. Some reports suggest she believed Israeli ambassador to the United States, Yitzhak Rabin, was going to be on board. However, he was not. Yitzhak Rabin went on to become the prime minister of Israel. No one was injured during this hijacking, but after the passengers got off the aircraft, hijackers blew it up. They blew up the nose of the plane. She later had so many plastic surgeries done to her face in order to conceal her identity that she was able to do another hijacking. This is the woman South Africans want to name a street after. And the newest presidential candidate in South Africa and the opposition leader, Gaten McKenzie, whom I interviewed during his last trip to Israel, said no to this. He and his party are saying no. They do not want to, nor are they going to permit this street to be named after this terrorist. I've asked him to join us next week via Zoom to discuss this further because in South Africa, taking a stand as he and his party are taking somewhat in support of Israel, actually abundantly in support of Israel, is a really big shift in policy, a really big shift in public opinion, especially when the South Africans are so, so, so anti-Israel sweeping across the country. Unseasonal rainfall in central Israel led to the formation of sinkholes in a number of spots around the country, including in Hulon, south of Tel Aviv, and in Herzliya, north of Tel Aviv. Police had to come out to redirect traffic and send people down other roadways. This unusual weather that we experienced Wednesday for half of the day is so unseasonal. Everyone was shocked. I woke up to hearing rain pelting on my window and I almost thought that I was in New York for a minute. I thought maybe it was the air conditioner once I came to my consciousness a little bit more. Nope, full-blown rainstorm when I looked out my window. It's being attributed to the remnants of Storm Daniel, a tropical-like cyclone that previously caused flooding in Libya and Greece. The Israel Meteorological Service has cautioned about potential flooding along the central and southern coasts with a risk of flash floods. Rosh Hashanah is tomorrow night, and if you still haven't sent a gift to your friends and family here in Israel, using Hasod could be a great idea, and really the new year extends out into a few weeks. We've got Rosh Hashanah, we have Yom Kippur, we have Sukkot. All of these are great opportunities to send people that you love gifts, and if you want to get something over to somebody within the next few days... You can probably do that if they're here in Israel because Hasod is shipping from here in Tel Aviv. This is a great way to support the Israel Daily News podcast and take care of your gifting needs. Hasod sends out boxes made with local handmade treats from the Holy Lands like wines and ceramics, teas, amazing honey. I'm in love with their honey. Great soaps. Lots of awesome things. Enter the coupon code SHANA10. S-H-A-N-N-A, number 10, in all capital letters, and you'll get a 10% discount code for the box. And of course, whatever purchases at Hasod store that come via the Israel Daily News podcast, go right into the podcast. That's Hasod, H-A-S-O-D, store.com, or just click on the special link in the show notes. 
I actually sent over a box to my accountant and it went over really well. It was a great way for me to seamlessly, easily take care of that gift without needing to run over to the post office. So I encourage this. I want to thank all of you for your interest in Israeli affairs. Israeli politics are world politics. And I want to thank all of you who personally finance and fund the Israel Daily News podcast with monthly contributions. Thank you to all of you who have purchased Hasod boxes and thereby sent a donation to the Israel Daily News podcast. I really want this show to remain funded by the listeners. I think that it really gives me an opportunity to tell the news as I would like to tell the news without any pressure from advertisers or sponsors and I really like that this show is funded by you the listeners so thank you to all of you if you want to support us you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts two you can share the show with a friend and three you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at israeldaily.news as well as Shanafold. my name has two ends in it and I'm very sensitive about that you can also find us on Twitter at Israel Podcast And now for our big special report. The whole world looks at Jerusalem. Every religion looks at Jerusalem. And when we post a picture of four murdered women in Jerusalem, their mothers and fathers see that picture, their children see that, their sisters and brothers see that. And this revolution is a fire. And every time I make a new mural in Israel, especially Jerusalem, but anywhere in Israel, I'm adding a giant log onto that fire. I'm allowing that fire to burn brighter and hotter. Iranian-American Human Khalili has been in Israel eight times within the last year, and that's all because of a photo he took with an artist in California who painted a mural of Masa Amini. It went viral, and that's when he got into the business of designing, funding, and executing the production of eight murals here in the Holy Land, covering walls with the faces of strong Iranian women who lost their lives fighting the Islamic regime in Iran. The photo from California went viral, and it wasn't long before a senior correspondent at Ynet News here in Israel and political activist Emily Schrader saw the picture, liked it, reached out, and then put Khalili in touch with Jerusalem's deputy mayor, Flor Hassan Nahum, who has been playing a large role in Israel's support of Iranian women today. She and I spoke on the phone and she said, I want murals in Israel. I said, oh my gosh, how do we do this? And she goes, well, we don't do anything over phone or Zoom, so you're going to have to jump on a plane and meet me. So I jumped on a plane to meet her and, and I'm sitting in her office and I said, do you have a wall? She said, no. So do you have an artist? She said, no. I said, am I paying for it? She said, yes. So lo and behold, by the grace of God, like 26 days after I met her, the first mural went up in Talpiot. And then after that, um, a pretty prominent guy in Israel named Hanania Neftali. He got married. I invited myself to his wedding. I was uh, Emily Schrader's plus one. When I was here, I called the Ministry of uh, Foreign Affairs and I said, I want to do another mural. They gave me the green light. And the second mural, by the grace of God, was born in Nazareth. And then the interesting thing about that is, you know, for those of you listening, uh, Nazareth is entirely Arab, 70% Muslim, 30% Christian. The, The two gentlemen that owned the wall in Nazareth were Muslim. And so what you have is a wall owned by two Muslims 
designed by a Persian Jew, or sorry, designed by a Persian Christian, painted by a Russian Jew. So everybody came together to support the Iranian women. Khalili designs the murals alongside designers Justin McGuinness and Ryan Siun, who created a mosaic image of Masa Amini. In each square of the mosaic, there are images of more than 1,000 victims of the Iranian regime who have died and lost their lives in protest in the last year. Male and female. Khalili uses local artists to actually paint the murals on site, saying he has the vision, but not the artistic skill for actually working with the brush. So he employs locals to come in and put that paint on those walls. I do like this whole idea of working with the Israelis and, and sort of bringing us together with that. But some of the, like this last mural is so complex, there's no way you can paint 1,000 faces in 7,000 squares. That would take two, three months, and it wouldn't do as so. Some of them are printed banners, um, and then some of them are actually painted, yes. This week, ahead of Rosh Hashanah, he unveils four new murals in Israel. The first in Tel Aviv, the second and third in the mixed Arab Jewish city of Haifa, and the fourth in Jerusalem. Khalili plans to make 18 murals in total, despite it's very costly, and he's funding this project himself with the help of some donors. When he said 18, by the way, my face dropped because 18 is a big number for the Jewish people. In our culture, 18 means chai, or life. He says two individuals in his life independently came to him, saying they had a strong urge and a strong feeling for the number 18, and they each independently called him and told him, you've got to choose number 18. you got to do 18 murals. So far, Khalili has come out with eight murals in Israel. The first was unveiled in January of 2022, the second in February in the Palestinian city of Nazareth. The third and fourth were done in March and April. After Floor invited me, I sort of felt like this was an open invitation from God, and I just kind of ran with it. I just sort of kept inviting myself back, calling as many people as I could, pounding on as many doors to make this happen. Um, each mural is inspired by sort of what's going on in the news, the women who have either been murdered or who have been, like, maimed, uh, or because, uh, like I said, they shoot out the eyes of women. So I'll, I'll use a lot of them. And every time I make a new mural in Israel, especially Jerusalem, but anywhere in Israel, I'm adding a giant log onto that fire. I'm allowing that fire to burn brighter and hotter because the change has to happen from within and it's inspiring the people of Iran to keep fighting. That's the point of the murals. That's the number one reason we do the murals is to... Look, if you have a mural in Kansas City or Seattle or Austin, it's fine. Great. But you have a mural in Jerusalem, the, the city of gold, the eternal city, you know, it, it, it does something. It, it inspires in a way that nowhere else in the world will inspire. Not even Paris, not even New York, not even Berlin. Nowhere, not even the Vatican City will inspire the way that Jerusalem inspires. So the whole point is having murals in Israel, and I, I hope and I believe, inspires the Persian people to keep, to know that their, their voice is being heard. 
Kalilia is not only an interesting character for being able to execute these larger-than-life pieces of art with confidence and vision, but he also has a very interesting past. Uh, my mom escaped Iran in 1978, September. Uh, I was born Muslim. We came to the United States. Uh, by the grace of God, we were adopted by the First Presbyterian Church of San Mateo. And uh, I was raised in that church. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a youth group counselor. I was a choir director. Whole life's a miracle. Uh, this church just sort of saw, you know, my mom and I lost alone. Because we came to America alone. We didn't, we didn't know anybody. Um, and they became our family, that church. And so as a result of their love and obviously the, the miracle, like, Jesus just kept showing himself one miracle after my whole life's a miracle the fact that I'm here with you right now is an absolute miracle um, did you do an official uh, conversion I did yeah official conversion official baptism I did it as officially as you could yeah, I think my mom did it maybe because I did it when I was like 10 I think my mom did it when I was 5 so she probably did it 5 or 6 years before me but when I was a kid, we were at church all the time. We were at church five or six days a week. Iran kills more Christians than anywhere in the world. There's a verse in the Quran that says, if you leave the Muslim faith, you should be put to death. And Iran actually follows through with that. There's this one organization I work with called Transform Iran. And they have the underground church in Iran. And they actually sneak out the Christians who are about to get executed. They hide them in Turkey. And then they help them find an apartment. They help them find a job, everything. The change has to happen from within, and it's inspiring the people of Iran to keep fighting. That's the point of the murals. That's the number one reason we do the murals. And uh, it's, um, like I said, these are all on my website, like the exact addresses, locations. If you go to, like, human.tv, you'll, you'll see it there. We also caught up with Emily Schrader, who is the original connector for this project. She's been running around Israel working to promote these enormous pieces of art. She tells the Israel Daily News podcast what it means to have these murals here in the Holy Land. And we also asked her if she thinks that the entire nation of Israel is behind this message. For me, these murals are really important because they show the Iranian people that the people who they've been told for 44 years are their enemy are actually the people who are standing up when it counts and raising their voice at a civilian level and at a government level. We've had government officials be very vocal about this issue as well from left to right. This is a consensus issue. The people of Israel from the Arab community, from the Jewish community, from every community in Israel see and hear what the people of Iran are demanding and we want the same things too. We we want freedom for the people of Iran. We want to have collaboration and cooperation with the nation of Iran. But that can't happen until we see a new era and an end to this Islamic Republic, which not only is good for us in Israel, of course, and not only is good for the people of Iran, of course, but is good for the entire world because the Islamic Republic is the force behind a lot of the conflicts that we're seeing today, especially throughout the Middle East. But of course, there are also incidents in other countries in the Western world that the Islamic Republic is impacting. And I think that when we look at the situation on the ground, we need to look at the full picture and how much of an impact and a reach this regime is having for the worse. I think that the fact that there are murals being prominently displayed in major Israeli cities, in particular Jerusalem, you know, the capital of Israel, the eternal capital of the Jewish people. This is something that Iranians are very familiar with in their history and that they're very aware of as a result of 
Cyrus the Great, who ensured that the Jewish people could return to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. So to see the the mural of support for the people of Iran being displayed in Jerusalem, to see Israeli Jews and Arabs, because we also had one in Nazareth, to see Israeli Jews and Arabs coming together and saying, we stand with you, the people of Iran, we hear you, and we will be your voice when you are unable to, is incredibly powerful. And it gives them a lot of motivation. And I know this from my interactions on a daily basis with the Iranians on the ground. They're very, very moved by the fact that the Israeli public stands with them. And I do think that the vast majority of Israelis, if not all, do stand with Iran against the Islamic Republic. I mean, there are people from both the Jewish and the Arab community whom I have spoken to personally that have worked in Iran in previous years prior to the revolution. There are people who have family. There are people who have close ties. And this barrier that's between our two nations right now is something that's new. It's something that's been made up by the Islamic Republic to present Israel as a boogeyman for all of the problems and all of the governmental failures of the Islamic Republic of Iran. And the thing is that the Iranian people are not buying it because they know differently, because they know the Israeli people and they've had these relations before. Iran was one of the first countries to rec- Muslim countries to recognize the state of Israel. So they're not fooling anyone anymore, even people who were born under this regime. The Iranian people are brilliant and educated and smart and they want an end to this regime because they know that they have a better future without it. And the people of Israel are with them in that pursuit. This entire interview, especially learning about the life of Human Khalili, was so eye-opening. I had my mouth to the ground during this entire interview, and I assume that many of you did as well. If you liked this story, you can head over to Instagram at israeldaily.news to see some pictures of the artwork. I know that this is a very visual story, so if you want to see those murals, you can head over to the Israel Daily News podcast Instagram page at israeldaily.news and find those pictures we're going to be uploading those. It's going to be great. And let me know if you like the story. And now for a Torah thought coming to you from one of the most northern parts of New York State before hitting Lake Ontario, Rabbi Yossi Madvig of Oswego, New York, with a Torah thought and a message for you all before heading into Rosh Hashanah. There's a verse in last week's Torah portion which tells us, you will return to the Lord your God and hearken to his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. And the Maggid of Mizrich, who is the successor to the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, explains the beginning part of that verse, V'shavta ad Hashem alakecha, you return to the Lord your God, and gives a lesson for teshuva, repentance. And he says, V'shavta, returning, repentance, is ad Hashem alakecha, until the level of godliness, which is divine and transcendent, becomes Elokecha, becomes your personal God. Now there was a Hasid, a student of the Hasidic movement, named Reb Meshulam Zusha of Anapoli. And he said this is too difficult for him, it's too high of a level, too esoteric. And so he broke down the word Teshuva into components of repentance. The first letter, Tav, he said, stands for Tomim Tichya Imashem Lakecha, be sincere with the Lord your God. The second letter, Shin, stands for Shiviti Hashem Lednegdi Tamid, I always place God before me. 
the Vav of Teshuvah, he said, stands for love your fellow as yourself. The Vet or the Bet in Teshuvah stands for know him in all of your ways, know God in all of your ways. And the final letter, Hey, stands for walk modestly with your God. And each of these stages of repentance we will, God willing, discuss over the course of the next few weeks. I wish you all a Shana Tova, a happy and healthy new year, a year full of ample blessings in all areas of life, in children, in livelihood, and in health. I hope you all find meaning in this weekend, whether Jew or Christian or Muslim or Buddhist, whatever you believe. I hope you all connect with yourselves and connect with each other in a beautiful way this weekend and sending all of my love to you as we enter a brand new year of opportunity and prosperity. All right. Well, that is it for today's show. Today is Thursday, September 14th, 2023. Tel Aviv has a low of 22 degrees Celsius and a high of 29 degrees. That's 75 degrees Fahrenheit for the low going up to 85 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. We are everywhere. Don't forget to sign up to our Israel Weekly News Wrap. The Israel Weekly News Wrap is a newsletter with the top five stories coming out of Israel from throughout the week. And of course, I put a personal note from me at the top, letting you know what I'm working on, how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. You can sign up for that at IsraelDaily.News. A big thank you goes out to our social media director, Michelle Milner. I'm going to send you off today with a song called Shabbatot V'Chagim by Ya'ara Sholian. She is a great singer, and that song means Shabbat or the Sabbath and the holidays. I love to play it around the time of the holidays. Have a great and productive day and an excellent weekend. Shabbat Shalom and Shana Tova. Happy New Year. <laughs> הילדים קופצים עליך, הם הכי יפים בעולם. אתה Sofa tata mit rosa, lance le olaf.